Look how high you just filled. I was your doing glass. it for the bit. Do you want some? I did. I'm not gonna drink it no all. No one can see you right now. But I want it for the bit. The... It was for me. Oh, it was for, for the, the sound. sound. Uh, I don't believe Hold you. Hold on. <laughs> Here he's finding her seat, walking through a forest. We became oh, fully artists after that last break. There's a snake in the snake foot. in the grass. You're just you're a snake in the grass. I had to tell you, so the last time we recorded, and I, yeah. I haven't told you this yet, I left. So what happened was it was really late. I had just gotten off a flight. It was a whole thing. And I called a car service. And one was like 17 minutes away. I called another one. 17. I remember I just laughed. You were like, okay, I called the car. It says it's 17 minutes away. And I just died laughing. And then I canceled that because I'm not a monster. And then, you know that feeling when you're at someone's house? And it's not like they don't want you there, but they don't want you there. And it's not personal, but you were so tired. Like, you and Matt were you like. You were so tired. I was exhausted. You weren't kicking How me out. How dare you? No, no, no. This is not an This is no offense. This is a no offense moment. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you say no offense okay, at the I'm beginning. Okay, sorry. So it's no offense. Now my whole perspective has changed okay, on no the offense. matter. No, but like, you know that feeling where like, you're like, everybody's tired and we need to end this? We had nine glasses of wine and tried to shoot a podcast for like six and a half hours. After I flew from the other side of the country and then it stopped recording one. It was like, a, it was a series of unfortunate events. So and the, I was panicked about you leaving because you had to get up and babysit. I had to get up the next morning at 5.30 Honestly, in the morning. I was panicked for you, not for me. It was my day to sleep in. Exactly. But so anyway, so I call another car. Great news. The car is outside. So Matt Quinn's husband walks me out. It's very nice. I'm like outside. Oh, he walked you out? Well, he had to because he has to lock the door behind Oh, I was me. like, dang. <laughs> Give you a little smooch? A little What's smooch. No, I got no love. It was really, it was honestly, as a Cold single shoulder. woman, it felt like he's just not that into me. Right? Sounds like him, all right. Sounds like him, all right. So I get outside and I like look at my phone like, where's this car? I look at the phone and the phone is like back in its home screen page. The car canceled. I don't know what happened, but it wasn't there. No, 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 no. I know. So I'm outside still, and I call another lift. And, yeah, I'm going to use this company's name. I call another lift, and the car is, like, five minutes away. I'm like, okay, great. I'll wait outside. By the way, it's cold, and I came from California, so I'm wearing a leather jacket. It's, like, not even a good winter jacket. And I have my suitcase and stuff with me. So I'm waiting. I hate this story. <laughs> this is really, truly, darkly, creepily. So the car is on the corner, like at Ocean, right? Yeah. It's not moving. I'm waiting like five minutes. It says it's coming, and it's not. It's, it's just not waiting. Moving. I try calling it. It hangs up on me. What? So I cancel the it. Fuck. It's really bad. I'm actually getting so mad at you in this moment <laughs> because I'm like, do you, what's wrong with you actually that like you it's wouldn't so much text therapy. me? It's so no, much No, but like therapy. you wouldn't be like, Quinn, can I wait in your living room that's up the stairs I just walked down while I deal with this annoying thing? I was literally. I felt bad because like you have a kid. I was lying I... on the sofa watching the great bake off or whatever oh, it's called. Oh, God. That, why would I? I would never want to interrupt that. That makes all the more sense. I, but I was like, you know what? Like, I'd have, You know what? I'd have paused it to open the door for you and then I've hit play again. Like it, I know. I, I just. I'd have ignored so then, you while I watched what kind of. But I didn't know. I felt like you guys probably were like going, going to bed or whatever. And I was like, I don't want to like. So I was outside probably for like 10 minutes. 
I'm furious with you for this story. No, I, but I know you because I know you'd like give me the shirt. Like, I know you. And I was like, I didn't want to inconvenience I, you. I'm so mad at you right now. You are such an asshole that you stood out on that porch. It's like you almost deserve it because I'm so mad at you for not just telling me that you were out there. I thought you guys went to bed and like, because I saw Matt. Matt's been, he was so tired. Matt. So Matt can go to bed. Like, I can come down and let you in. I always have to watch TV to go to bed. And I'm always really? watching TV. I do, too. Me I too. have to. I don't like the mind to tell stories. Me neither. I would like to someone else to tell the story, yeah. not my brain. A great so Br- like, the Great British Bake Off is, like, the perfect, like, amuse-bouche of nighttime. It's, like, the perfect nightcap. It really is. It is. But anyway, so, and then I called Uber, and then they came pretty quickly. And I was like, thank you so much for coming. It was one of those things where, like, this first car didn't work. The second car was, like, five minutes away. But by the time, like, five minutes was up, it would be weird if I, like, came in and then, like, went upstairs for two minutes and then left. No, okay. it wouldn't. It was I really, really cold out. Time. What's wrong with I you? I won't do that next time. But I thought, oh, you're driving me to the drink. <laughs> I had to go reach for my beverage. <laughs> the only time that happened to me was on my birthday last year, and it happened to me twice. Isn't that the worst? It is the worst. And I was like, I, I, it was. But you got to be careful. You can't be like hanging out outside. It's cold season. You know, Koa has a cold. Koa does have a cold. He's a little sniffly. He's got like a. You said snurfly earlier, which I really snurf- liked. He's a snurfle. And he's got like a little raspy. Snurfalopagus. A snurfalopagus. Because she's a baby. <laughs> He's he, so um, cute. He has the most perfect teeth of any child I've ever met. Oh, my God. Thank you. Like, his teeth. I mean, they're fake. They're all fake. But I know. They're flippers. And he went to the dentist last week. Did they, were like, they were like, ugh, I love your work. Well, they were mostly like, we love this kid because he was actually really good randomly. Like, he was just like <laughs> he was letting really them randomly. do all the things. They were like, can you <laughs> open your mouth and growl like a dinosaur? And he just like tried to open his mouth but had such a serious growl he couldn't he was like and they were like this kid we're in love well also i gotta tell you dear readers koa has always had the weirdest animal sounds like when i babysat koa when he was a little baby oh yeah he wouldn't be like what's a dog make it would be like what is a peacock he likes peacock he likes likes giraffe (laughs) what sound does a giraffe make (sighs) it's like it's like like it's you know, it's like you're not teaching the kid primary colors. You're teaching him tertiary colors. It's, like, like it's not secondary say, even. Um, it's like tertiary. It's like peacock, giraffe. I tried to get him to say dinosaur forever, and he just calls them roars or rars. And so he's like, no, my rar, my rar. And I'm like, you're dinosaur. And he's like, my rar. And I couldn't, can't get him to say dinosaur. The other day he's like, where's my triceratops? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Legit. Says triceratops. He's pretty fucking cute. We he's t- so cute. So I took cute. him to the playground. Yesterday, while he was sick, he was, like, miserable to be there, having a horrible time. <laughs> and this little kid, uh, I'm going to call him Blue Coat, came up. And uh, Blue Coat, you know who you are. You Blue obviously Co- listen Coat to this asshole? podcast. Is Blue Coat Blue an Coat asshole? Blue Coat is a monster. Fuck Blue Coat. It's like the Red Coats. Oh, fuck them. A monster in child's clothing. He comes up to Koa and just shoves him. And Koa's, like, looking at me. He's like, what? And I'm like. That little boy is not nice. Go try to play with somebody nice on the playground. And he's like, be normal, avoiding this kid. But then this kid comes and takes Koa's uh, toy that he brought, which was a pink stroller. He, like, takes this stroller from Koa and just starts pushing it away. So I go to get it back with Koa. And as soon as Koa gets it back, the kid just shoves him. (gasps) And Koa starts crying. I kind of looked around, see that 
this uh, blue coat's there with a nanny. She's like kind of on the phone, whatever. So I'm like, hey, blue coat, you touch my kid again. And I say it really nice, like smiling while I say it so that if parents are watching, it just looks like I'm like having a talk about sharing. I said, if you touch my kid again, then I have to rip both of your arms off. And then you're not going to have any arms to use on the playground. And I bet you like having your arms to play with, right? And this two-year-old's just like staring at me. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, so don't don't shove my kid again if you want to keep your arms. It's like pretty <laughs> mellow. But like I have to say, like, I felt bile rise. Like I've just I, I felt, you like felt like, like a flash the craziest of range in the world flies through my body because <laughs> Colt was so nice. He's like running around handing kids toys they dropped. He has like a bad time at somebody's house and goes to leave and he'll be like, Thank you, new friend. He'll say that. I mean, he's like the most crazy nice kid. Then I'm just like, don't fucking pick on my kid or I will have I to kill you. I just love Mama Bear Quinn. I love Mama Bear Quinn being like, hey, kid, don't touch my kids or I'm going to have to rip your arms off. I mean, that's not a threat I would think I would give to any child. But I'm like, really? I mean, I'm amazed. I love that, actually. Yeah. Although you're not supposed to say a thing you're not like willing to do or something with kids. And I don't know that I'd have ripped this kid's arms off, but I really <laughs> needed to like... I have you to say, I'm to... also, I was PMSing because uh, that was yesterday and today's day one. So I, I was definitely. We're synced up. I was in wow. yoga the other day and I tried it. I was on my stomach and I was trying to like move my leg or something. And my boobs were so sore that I like couldn't do it. Do you think we just lost all our listeners because we started having like. Period. Period talk. All of our male listeners, all of our like middle-aged male listeners who are afraid of women's bodies. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's lost our target them. audience. <laughs> Target demographic. Come back, fellas. Hey, fellas. Hey, big boys. Come on over. You want to rip your arms out or talk about periods? Um. Oh, the name of the podcast you're listening oh, yeah, to is... is Periods. Brought to you. PMS. <laughs> it's... Blood. <laughs> Blood. <laughs> Bloody Mary. Bloody Carrie. <laughs> Bloody Quinn. <laughs> Truly. Darkly. Creepily. And I'm Quinlan Posner. And I'm Carrie Apama. We're so glad you're here. We Thanks can't for believe coming, you're dear here. Readers. What's wrong with you? You know what it is? It's a DAs. Do you think that people are talking about our vocal fry a lot? I don't think I have vocal fry really. I think that I'm made out of vocal fry. That was vocal fry, but I don't think My whole personality is vocal fry though. No, you're not a Kardashian. Relax. I do I have vocal fry, Sarah? No, now I'm she doing has, like, it. a pretty musical theater y voice. It's annoying, is what you're saying. Yeah. And so I, I want to rip your arms it's off very and throw forward. them. At, my voice yeah. is forward. I think when I'm tired, you'll probably hear more. And my Chicago accent, the more I drink, the more Chicago comes out. I get drunk and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, so then this person went to the store and they were like, oh, my God, Mom. <laughs> Ma'am. Mom, let's have some sausage pizza. That's um, what happened. Here's my question for you. Talk to me, Blanche. Do you want to tell your story Right now, or do you want me to tell my story right now? I'll go first this time. You go first. Let me go first. Okay. Dear readers, I'm doing the story of Cindy Wismiller. Ooh. Don't know who it is. I love that. So I found this story sort of on Unsolved Mysteries. There was like one of those, they're like stories you need to hear. And yes, I did use vocal fry for that because it was a mood. No, I don't. I didn't find her for that. I like looked through another story and through another story. You know how it goes. Rabbit holes. And I found this woman, Cindy Wismiller. So Cindy Wismiller 
is from South Bend, Indiana. Love a fellow Midwesterner. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so she's 42 years old. She's a courier. So her job is to um, replenish ATMs with money, right? Oh, fascinating. It's an interesting job. Love that job. We live in New York, so I love seeing people take money out of the, like, MTA cards. I'm always like, good for you. Look at you handling all that amounts of money. Like, what sweet temptation you're not succumbing to. Mm-hmm. So she is 42. She's a courier. Um, she lives with her boyfriend, and she lives with her daughter, son-in-law, and granddaughter. And, like, listen, she's a nice lady. Like, throughout this, what my research is, I found, like, she helped people in need financially. Like, she was just, like, a nice girl. She wasn't in, like, any financial distress at all. Like, she didn't need crazy amounts of money. She just was, like... Live in a content life, right? On Friday, November 24th, 2000, um, she's working for Indiana's Armored Services. So this is the company that goes in and replenishes. <laughs> oh, my God. I have to interrupt you because I literally <laughs> thought 14 years ago. And then was like, what year is it? No, and then my brain did this thing where I was like, 19 okay. years ago. 19. Yeah. Present. Oh, I didn't even think about it. It's like the 19th anniversary of this moment. We're yep. doing it. That's... Well, when we're recording this, this will come out in like January. So, <laughs> so it's November 24th, 2000. It's a Friday. And you know, like all good jobs on a Friday is generally when shit hits the fan news wise, right? So, um, the president, um, who's based in Kokomo, Indiana, love it. Shout out oh my to God. Kokomo. Right? Beach Boys. Beach Boys, hang on. Um, so, Indiana's Armored Services called and they tell her, they're like, listen. Indiana Armored Services has been purchased by Brinks Security. We're all familiar with Brinks. We've seen the commercial. Um, oh, I haven't. You don't know Brinks Security? No. Maybe it's a Midwest. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm, Could you please do the I'm commercial? I'm regionally myself. No, it's not like a Empire, you oh, know, or damn. like a Luna. It's not one I'm of those. to be like, Brinks, 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 Brinks to you. Security. It's not that. <laughs> it's not so, that. Got it. So, um, so they tell her that Brinks has purchased Indiana Armored um, services, um, but that she'll still have a position. But on Monday, they tell her, listen, you don't need to do your like early morning shift. You need to come in at 930 in the morning and train your replacement. You're going to still have a position in here, but you're going to have someone replacing your shift, which I got to tell you, if I was working for this company, I'd be like, this feels like bullshit. Hey, okay. suspicious. Suspicious, right? Mad suspicious. Tell. So on Monday, November 27th, she wakes up, her and her boyfriend have coffee, um, and she leaves for work. Um, and to she's go train. To go, no, it's earlier. It's like at 5.50 in the morning. And she's not behaving oddly. She's like not under duress and anything. Um, and she acted like it was any other day, right? Mm-hmm. So she starts her route. There was some conflicting. I looked at like Unsolved Mysteries. There was like... WTHR, it was like an ABC affiliate or NBC. Which one is the Peacock? NBC. It was like dun, an NBC. Dun, dun. Thank you. Yeah. Tone a... deaf, can you tell? No, but I actually love da, that. Da, da. In music theory, when I had to be like, what's, I think it's a fourth or something. That I, like, I'm dun, sorry, it's dun, dun. I remember being like, that was, what is it? Is it a, I don't know what it is right now, but I remember that was one of them. So if you heard when they like tested your ear and you heard like, dun, dun, you knew what it was because it sounded like NBC. Mm. Okay, moving on. Between 5.50 a.m. and 7.15 a.m., she went to between, like, six and eight machines, and she removed money from each machine. And that's not 
part of the job. No, because she has to replenish it. Like, the point of an ATM is to have money in the bank. Oh, well, did they check? Did they see if it was Opposites Day? It was. You know what? Because that would November explain everything. November 27th is Opposites Day. What a dum-dum. <laughs> so, um, there was only one ATM machine, which, yes, I'm going to say ATM machine, even though automated teller machine has machine in it. So, what I'm saying is automated teller machine machine. Move she gets on. it. Um, there was only one ATM machine that had surveillance, which I think is odd. And it showed Cindy alone removing bags of money from the ATM, right? Mm-hmm. So she proceeds to remove around $300,000 from these machines. Great. Crazy. So at 8 a.m. that day, a witness sees Cindy moving the bags of money from an armored service truck to her Chevy Sprint. By the way, do you think Chevy knew when they were naming the cars? It's like, a, here's a getaway car it's a name. getaway car you know? name. Um, so they have it moving to a Chevy Sprint. The witness sees her with the another Ford human. getaway. <laughs> this is the Ford getaway. I mean, they do have a Ford Escape. Like, oh I don't God. understand. Like, that all of it is so like. funny. And then the Toyota Prius? Need I <laughs> say more? Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started on it. So at 8 a.m., this person sees her moving from the armored truck to the um, Chevy Sprint. Chevy runaway, if you will. And um, they see her with another person, mm. which is bizarre. Um, and she was not seen again. Poof. Gone. So at 930, she's like supposed to train her replacement. The boss pages her. Here's nothing. Um, so then he calls the police. He orders someone to retrace her route just to see. And that's when he notices the missing money. So her family is, like, completely shocked. Like, what the fuck is going on? Her boyfriend, Billy, is like, he's sure someone forced her to take the money. Like, there's no doubt in their mind that this woman is, like, one, she would tell her family about it. Like, she was a giving woman. Like, she wasn't – the fact that if she did it, she didn't tell anyone. It's really bizarre. Her son, Richard – um, said his mother would have not taken the money. Um, she was not under any financial difficulty, and she would have told her family. That's her son? Mm-hmm. How old is he? I didn't say. But, but like, like, grown older. up enough older, to say yeah. He's not, like, he wasn't six, like, being, like, six being like, like her. Mom wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, no. So, so like, it's really, really, even the police, when they were, like, filling out a profile of her, they were like, she did seem like a dedicated family woman. Right? Like, Whoa. she was, again, like I said, she was, like, financially supporting her son, daughter-in-law, and granddaughter, and they were living with her. Mm-hmm. So police start theorizing that she was, like, a dedicated person who just lacked the funds for support. But, again, this is crazy because, like, she just disappears. Bananas. Crazy. So an investigation they, like, went through and kind of looked at the old machines revealed that previous to this, like, $300,000 heist, and I'll call it a heist, I think like $15,000. Another article said 200. Basically, a lot of money was taken before as well and they just hadn't tracked it. Do they or were they able to pinpoint her? Yeah, did they, Not necessarily. I mm. think like I mean, I, I think it's impl- I think that. it's implied that it's her because it was her route, but like but before they were just like the drawer's short. No, I don't think like th- what's weird to me is that like even in the investigation they were like it took us investigating after this happened to notice losing money. It sounds like nobody was keeping great books at So this she company. was probably like it's pretty chill to get away with this. I do it all the time a little bit and no one gives a fuck. Probably. Now I'm just going to do it times a million. But I got to say like to be an HR person for these type of companies who you have to like 
hire someone who's going to handle like hundreds of thousands of dollars and like not be tempted mm-hmm. has to be a real pain in the ass. You know what I mean? So family is convinced it's foul play, right? Mm-hmm. Like family is convinced she's been abducted. She's been murdered um, and that the other person she was with Dang. took the money that like they, they, really, w- they really went on it. Well, because the thing is, is she was with this like unidentified person. Yeah, yeah. Right? And even more believable is that no one heard from her. Like she was just gone. Right. So the police are obviously suspicious because of the facts, but also like there were certain things she didn't do, which was like type in a code for duress. If she's like being held up, she, there is a code she can use or she can call for help. Like, there are safety security measures. Oh, she can type that into an ATM machine? Yeah. Oh, cool. There was actually another thing I was looking at. A person, I think, was being held up, and they kept, like, doing more money than should, so, like, to keep alerting people. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So, as of the early 2000s, so right after this is happening, um, there was a $25,000 reward offered for her case, and they had not charged Cindy, but just wanted to bring her in for questioning, which I think is, like, a really interesting way a police would function. Do you know what I mean? They were like, we don't think she's a – we just want to bring her in for questioning, Mm -hmm. even though, like, she's gone and missing and they're not going to charge her, even though she probably seems likely or she's been abducted. We don't know. Mm -hmm. So this was on Unsolved Mysteries in 2001. And what happened is in 2006 – the police, there's investigators still looking at this crime. They're looking at the family's phone records, and they notice the family is calling Walton County, Florida. And they're like, that's really bizarre. I wonder why they're calling Walton County, Florida. So they, like, go to Walton County, and they start, like, researching and, like, asking around. And they send in a picture of Cindy to, like, the police department who, like, circulates it. And then a neighbor... Is like, oh, yeah, that's my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And, again, this is six years. Like, the family's like, we don't know where it is. They find Cindy in Walton County um, where she's living since she was vanished. I mean, she went to, like, Louisiana in a, an apartment first and then to Walton County. Mm-hmm. And she's living in a houseboat under the name Cindy Blanchard, which I got to be honest. Choice. A great choice. But I also think it's weird to not change your first name. I, there, I said it. I think if you're going to, like, go full new... She was new, too I, scared that somebody she would wouldn't like, respond Cindy, to Cindy. And she'd look. And if somebody was like, Cynthia... <laughs> she'd be like, who? Me? Who? I have no idea. I do think it's... Again, if you're going to, like, change your name from, like, one person to another, like, maybe go full throttle. Change it all. Definitely. Like, this feels or like... Or just Robert Durst the situation and become, cross-dress, and cross-dress do the whole bag. And steal a ham sandwich. Steal that fucking ham sandwich. Steal. You want a ham sandwich? And also Take post it. bail. That means you're free. Yeah. You know what I mean? She finds out from her neighbor that they're like, oh, the police are coming for you. They send me a picture. It's you. And she's like, shit. Fuck. Wait, she warns her? Yeah. I like this neighbor. Uh, it's Florida, baby. Fair game. She's like, it's I had Florida. To it's like a also, lawless. No, I'm going to tattle on myself to you. It's a fucking lawless swamp <laughs> over there. You know what I mean? So she's like, okay, so the police could come and get me. I know what I'll do. I'll hop in my car. I don't know if she still has that Chevy Sprint. She had to kick it at some point. Otherwise, they trace it. So she then drives from Florida to South Bend, Indiana. So the investigators come to her house in Florida, and they're like, she's not here. Where is she? Little do they know, she's fucking en route back to South Bend, Indiana. She turns herself into the police, and she's like, 
I just don't want to hide anymore, shows up. And they're like, are you serious? And they call the guy in Florida. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? She's back there? Like, what's going on? I just got off the plane. You've got to be kidding me. Like, he's like, I just, I got a great hotel. I'm getting a sick per diem here. Like, what is going on? This I is was not- going to fucking Harry Potter World tomorrow. Well, it was 2000, Quinn. It didn't have a happen. Beer. He wanted to go to Epcot to drink around the world, okay? <laughs> Different priorities there. Got or it. he wanted to go to Moe's and have a beer, have a beer, a Homer Simpson beer. A duff. Uh, a duff. Thank you. Yeah. There it is. There it is. We got it. So basically she turns herself in. She pleads guilty to theft right away. She serves only two years in prison. <gasps> Great. I like her There's choices in her crazy. life. Apparently, and she has to pay back the money. She, and she had sure. basically all of it. Like, I don't, it doesn't Why say like. did she take it then? It's so weird. And then she, they were like. I guess she, like, did <gasps> provide a list of, like, things that she spent the money on, but the um, police department didn't release that to the media. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I mean, she probably had to pay for her houseboat. And so, like, part of the plea deal was she'd have to, like, tell if she had an accomplice, right? Like, mm-hmm. this person, this unidentified person. So I think she, like, teased to them, like, I'll reveal everything. I'll let you know. And then when they finally, like, she took the deal, all this stuff, she got down, she was like, there was no accomplice. It was just me. I it, there's nobody else. Is that the truth? I have no Terry, idea. Carrie, why can't you get to the bottom of it? Because it's like there's no. Even if she revealed that she had an accomplice, the statute of limitations like ended two years prior for that, so they wouldn't have been charged anyway. <laughs> so like, oh my so god! Like, the employer is like, well, we have- are you telling me this because you're the accomplice? It's me. I did it. I was in South Bend, Indiana in 2000. I was 10 years old and I killed it. Um, And so the employer thinks that the employees are involved. And like, yo, listen, like, we got to know. Maybe the employee is still working. I said it was like aiding you in this situation. So basically she repaid most of the stolen money and denies having an accomplice and that no one else was involved in the crime. And she's out of jail now. And I would like to be her friend. (laughs) If she's listening to this podcast... What's her name? Cindy Lopper? Cindy Wismiller. Cindy. Cindy. Girl, respect. Nothing but respect. You didn't hurt anyone. There was something about it. You basically weirdly got away with it. I'm not totally clear on why you did it. But I want to be your friend so we can talk it what Ow. I love it is like she's a I think family she was person. Just you to train somebody. I feel like she was like, "Fuck you for selling this fucking company." Yeah, that's my Listen, story. When it's I was a waitress, a- that was like the fucking worst thing. When they were like, "You're training tonight," because usually it's like this mindless job, and you get to be in your own head. And when you have downtime, you like go to the kitchen and do a shot with the fun kitchen guys, or you're like fucking like doing your crossword at the bar, trying to avoid the weirdo that goes to the bar, whatever. <laughs> but. If you had to train, you were, like, having to not only do your job but say out loud what you were doing the whole time you were doing it. And then in your downtime, you had to, like, awkward be nice to somebody that you did not care about. Who was going to, like, take your shifts eventually. A (laughs) hundred percent. I think to me. And sleep with your manager and you were like, this sucks. (laughs) This totally blows. I got to tell you what I love about this story is when I first started researching and I was like, holy shit, this is so crazy. It's, like, a woman who comes through and, like mysteriously takes all this money it's so out of character for her and then she's gone so when they did unsolved mysteries like she was a missing person they were like she's been abducted like such salacious stuff 
When in reality, she was just like, you know what? I'm done with family life. I'm going to take hundreds of thousand dollars and just go to Florida and then eventually turn myself in. Like, I kind of loved the like, <laughs> this is so anticlimactic. Yeah. I oh, know. But it's great. I'm sorry, dear readers. I know you wanted something more salacious. No, I just this is a great story. It was a person who's. I think you're my- wrong. And I think it's important <laughs> to tell everyone's story. And this story, Cindy's story, needed to be told. Cindy Wismiller, I do appreciate just like, it just is kind of like, why? But I also love she only got two years. You know like, what, Carrie? That's it. She stole why not? hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then she like was like leveraging a fucking accomplice information. And then she was like, yeah, two years? Great. Yeah, no one else. It's like, do you guys like, have? 100%. Just me, homie. Me. So weird. I also like the amount of also, research I did. Let's Very be real. Different I think amounts. it's funny that like no one should even be surprised. Like, I'm so sorry, but it's your family. Like, of course they're going to lie for you. That's their whole job. Your job as a family member is to break people's arms when they push your family members around. And fucking And to lie. cover up for your family members well, when they rando steal $300,000. That's the reason to get married, kids. I got to tell you, I, it's not the tax break that's going to do you in. It's the fact that you got, like, spousal privilege. Oh, the you can't testify against Like, that's your... the thing is you're never going to – like, if you do some crazy shit and tell Matt, Matt legally is not obligated to tell anybody of it. Like, it's basically, it's like – the weirdest rule it's, on the planet. Well, that's why in Law and Order SVU, Mariska Hargitay always tries to, like, really, like, fuck with them and be like, your husband's a piece of shit or your wife's an asshole or whatever it is. So that they flip, because you can you can still testify of your own, but you have like spousal privilege as a added layer of protection. Anyway, what I'm saying is, you, is like you don't have mom privilege. That's weirder to me. I feel like if you're somebody's mom, you shouldn't have to testify against them ever. And also, how dare you even ask me? I will look that judge in the eye and I'll be like, "My son is perfect," and I'll rip someone's arms I off, will, <laughs> sir. If you ask me that question again, I'm going to rip your arms and off. And you're going to say, sir, do you like that Order. gavel? Sir, do you like that? Do you like banging that gavel? Order do you want to keep court, banging that gavel? Ma'am. <laughs> Don't fucking Order I'll in the your, court. I'll rip your fucking arms off. But yeah, there is, again, if I, if someone ever proposes to me, I think the most romantic thing they could say is, will you do me the honor and protect me? Will you against, not testify will you not against testify? me in a court of law? Can you imagine, like, what a beautiful proposal that would be? Oh, I'd say yes to that. Immediately, if not sooner. And I'd be like, little do you know I'm going to murder you before you can testify. <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> I don't know if Matt listens to this podcast, but. Don't hear the plan, Matt. <laughs> don't hear the plan. Hey, Matt. No, I was going to say, it's, can you Matt, it's a comedy forget? podcast. Calm down. Like, calm down. Just relax, dude. And also, I want to be Ugh. very clear. If someone did propose to me, not, I actually don't think I would like that. So, like, single men out there who are obviously listening to this podcast and, you know. All Carrie's fans out there. That's not how she wants to be proposed to. Okay? Everyone knows that Carrie wants a classic Tiffany's Diamond and an on-the-knee proposal in a busy New York City restaurant. Like, Nobu. I also would love it to be Times Square Olive Garden on New Year's Eve. If you could propose you to me, breadsticks. If, if you could propose and me and have ring a ring in the breadstick. breadstick. If you could have, if you could propose, if or you could be like on the breadstick, it's a breadstick finger. No, I prefer no. it in there. Like I want it like Inside, in the commercial when it opens a breadstick it. and it's like steam. I want it to be steam in a diamond. The idea of baking a Tiffany's diamond in a breadstick to me is just a risk that I'm willing to take. All your favorite things rolled into one. <laughs> 
Roll it up, smoke it up. <laughs> Could you imagine? Definitely. Times, time, apparently, Times Square Olive Garden. I mean, that's the ticket right there. I'm also picturing this guy being like a classic fi-dye apartment. <laughs> My mom already loves him. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. He definitely... Um, Doesn't understand art. He's a pop collar on the weekend. Relaxed sweatpants with a pop collar. Oh, yeah. Likes to take you to the driving range, which... Spoiler I alert, I, I know you enjoy it. I did like the driving range. I know. That's I what I'm did. saying. It. I really liked it. I'm saying that I think that, dear readers, <laughs> Carrie Mary may not be a basic bitch. Stay tuned <laughs> to find out. I'm not a, I speak basic fluently, but I'm not a basic bitch. But more importantly, I want a bro. That's all I want. Are you for saying my you life. want a tattoo wedding ring? Because <laughs> that's what I heard. God. This... Rethink it, Carrie. Rethink it. Moving on. Anyway, that's the story of Cindy Wilson Miller. You're welcome, world. You're welcome. Thank you. I would like to tell you a story brought to you by a bunch of fun facts from a true crime article by Kat Late, a morbidology article. That Ooh. one was really good, actually. And then we did some true crime zone, a little bit of Unsolved Mysteries wiki, which I love. Love Unsolved Mysteries um, wiki. All right. Let me just tell you guys the story that I came to tell. On March 25th, 1977, we're in Tucson, Arizona, and there is this woman by the name of Ruth Morgan who's asleep, and she's had a fucking hard last three days. Do you want to know why? Why has she... Is it Ruth, you said? Ruth. Her husband left home three days ago with two of his four daughters, drove them to school, okay? Okay. They have four daughters. It's already a hard life. Later that (laughs) night... Sorry. He doesn't show up to work. He doesn't show up at home. And so she calls and reports him missing. Okay. He's now been missing at this point for three days. Uh, her husband is Charles Morgan or Chuck, as, as she called him. And a lot of people called him. He's like a regular Joe Schmo. He worked for an escrow company. He's 39 years old and he's now been missing three days. But at 2 a.m., Ruth hears their dog start barking. She goes to the door. Bang, 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 she hears. It's pretty scary. That's what you hear when you go to a door. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. I was going to do the Foley artist thing again, but I was like, we've overplayed it. Yeah. That's it. Right, right. Here's Don't what she hears. Okay, what is she? All right, it's 2 a.m. Yeah. And Ruth hears. And the dog. So if Okay, ready? Just... Hold on. Also, she hears. Yeah, that could be true. I don't, I, God, I didn't look at the breed, so we'll go with that. Is it a dog? Is it? Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. So. Yeah, that's, all right. Yeah, that's That was a lot. That was too much. I'm sorry, dear readers. Um, She goes down and opens the door. Chuck's there. And he rushes in looking cuckoo crazy. He has plastic, like, zip ties around his wrist. (gasps) He has a broken plastic handcuff zip tie situation on his ankle, and he just runs in looking like crazy nutso, and he gestures, like, to his throat. And she's like, can you talk? And he shakes his head no. And she's like, can you write? And he, like, nods yes. She gives him a piece of paper and a pen, and he writes down, basically, I was abducted, I've been tortured for days, and I've had a hallucinogenic drug that's been painted on my throat and I'm freaked out because this is not verbatim what he wrote by the way but he says something like the drug it can drive me 
irrevocably insane. Um, or it can kill me. It can destroy my nervous system, basically. What? So she's like, um, okay, I would like to call the cops. And he's like, no, 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 I really don't want you to. It would put our family in danger, put you in danger, put the girls in danger. I don't want you to call the cops. Will you also go, here's my car keys, will you go move my car? I really don't want them to know that I'm back. So it's a weird week after Chuck gets home to say the fucking least because he's in really bad shape. He can't talk and he can't eat because of this drug and what's happened I'm to him. I'm so suspect of this drug and of Chuck. I'm well, so Well, Chuck sus- wasn't. Chuck was like, this is for real and I'm freaked. So she was like feeding him with an eyedropper and she was hanging out with him like bedside and he eventually is like calling it he doesn't like name his captors he calls them like them you know and he's like i basically escaped from them near phoenix sky harbor airport they took my treasury identification and she's like what are you talking about your treasury identification what's going on he tells her that he's been working for them for two or three years he's been working fighting against like organized crime. He at one point mentions that there had been money laundering going on, but says he wasn't involved and says to her, like the less that you and the girls know about like what's gone on and everything this has to do with just the better. He's just trying to keep them safe. So he's very like, he's insinuating things to her about what happened, but he's never like fully explaining himself yeah. Or what's gone on or why this happened or why he was a target. But after he gets kidnapped, he's not taking any fucking chances. He's walks around the house wearing a bulletproof vest. He kind of goes a little nutso. Like, he just stops, like, shaving his beard. Does she tell the police, like, oh, we found she him? She does not. Yes. It's like he came home. Forget it. But it's not like they do not talk about this as like an abduction because he's like, no, 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 no. He won't let his daughters go outside whenever they go to school. He's like driving them to school. He goes to the school. That didn't go well last time he drove them to school. Correct. But he no, he's protecting them, though. He's like, I don't want you getting in the car with anybody. He tells the school that he's like, don't let them leave with anyone. And then he like tells his dad, he's like, listen, I wrote a letter and it has all the information that pertains to this. He's still not talking, by the way, right? No, no, now he's talking. Whatever. It's like a week, then he's talking. Fucking, he's okay at the end of the day. But then the hallucinogenic, I'm like still like this hallucinogenic drug that he painted on him. Yes. What's the drug? We don't know. Why? It has a a half-life and it's done after a week. Yes. Okay, sure, sure. It's done. Okay. He's okay. God, that's a risk. Life goes back back to, quote, normal whatever that could feel like but he's like dad if something happens to me i wrote a letter that says who would be responsible for it and i hit it you're like okay weird what you should know i guess about the time is that it's the 1970s and the mafia is like in love with arizona this time basically interesting it was a really great narcotics pipeline It was really like a chill spot for money laundering. And the reason why is state law allowed anyone to buy numbered blind trust accounts. So that meant you could launder money and it couldn't be traced. Uh, And Chuck's job is fucking real estate escrow. Oh, escrow, yeah. 
But so as a result, like he knows a lot of who is owning what, that it's blind trusts, but he knows, but no one else knows. So he knows things that he shouldn't know. He knows things that no one else knows. Weird. It's I don't pretty want to be in that clear. situation. I don't. Yeah, it's not a great situation to find yourself in. And um, it sounds like he was also working for like some unseemly characters. He was working for the Ned Warren family. And then you'll remember this from my, uh, the Lufthansa heist episode. Yeah. The Bonanno oh, <laughs> uh, family. The Bonanno family. Bonanno, it's real. They're big. He possibly helped them also with the purchase of gold bullion and platinum which was also a really good way to launder money. So he's he's this like guy's involved. because he's, he's like, an escrow work, he's like he's doing work where he's he knows who's behind certain things no one else does. So, it's possible that the FBI and other places that would want to know the activities of these crime families would have been tapping him for that information. Yeah. It's all pretty dangerous and creepy. He's home 2 months. And Ruth takes the children to school one day, and he goes to work. He had been planning on going to a Masonic meeting that night, and in the late afternoon, he calls his office from a downtown payphone, and he says, I'll be at work in half an hour. He never shows up. Basically, he vanishes. And he's gone for nine days, longer than he was Gone previously, you'll remember he he resurfaced after three last time. Why would so, he go back into the line of work that got him into trouble? Well, it's his job. I don't think he's. Um, no, but like if someone zip ties me because I'm an actor, I, I wouldn't be like, yeah, let me go audition again. Yeah. Well, here's the truth, though. As an escrow worker, I don't know how many different things he was doing. It's not like yeah. all of his work was dangerous work. He yeah. like he had like a kind of a normal job, but he was accidentally mixed up in a thing that was not normal at all. It sounds like. Anyway, he's gone for nine days, and then Ruth gets a call from this woman that calls herself Green Eyes and says to her... I'm annoyed by this. I'm annoyed by these people not using their real names. What cowards. Yeah. Good old Green Eyes. She's like, Chuck is all right. Ecclesiastics 12, 1 through 8. Wait, what what she says. What, what, 1 through 8? What was the first part? Ecclesiastics. So is that I'll a Bible you, verse? Yeah. And like I think that the most relevant part, because I don't think we need to like go through it, but like the Listen folks, this isn't a Bible study, okay? Guys, this isn't Bible. This please, isn't Bible study. Do not replace your Bible study with it's a truly darkly creepy. With, don't do it. With a dark comedy podcast. It's not the don't, same. It's not this although similar allegories, you know, trust your blank. On the fourth day, he had been sun and moon. Same, 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 thing. same thing. In many ways, we get the mistake. We get it. We've but been we there before. We cannot condone it. Cannot. So Legally, we can't. Men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So the gold bullion was that like. Was well, it's weird the, because it does, I mean... Is it like, like the gold and platinum that he was helping them buy? Is that what that's referring to, do you think? I don't know what it's referring to. Let me finish what happened and then you tell me what you think. Gotcha. So basically, after this call, Chuck's dead body is found two days later. <gasps> no! Yep. On the 18th of June, 1977, 
he's discovered in his car on a dirt road in cells around 40 miles west of his home. There is a bullet wound to the back of his head. He's wearing the bulletproof vest. Ugh. Yeah. And he, he has like a knife and a holster. He'd been shot with his own gun, which was found nearby, and it had no fingerprints on it. Not his, not anyone's. So it was wiped, obviously. Inside or his with car. No fingerprints shot him. Someone with no Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Someone who burned. Someone with, oh my God, it was blue coat. Someone with no arms cars. shot him <laughs> with their teeth. Um, speaking of. <laughs> I love blue coat. A fucking two-year-old is like, I'm in the mafia. <laughs> so speaking of teeth, they found one of his teeth in the car wrapped in a tissue. What? Weird. Weird, 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 weird. There was a bunch of other, like, sets of handcuffs. There was ammo. There was a pair of sunglasses that did not belong to him. And they found... How did they tell? Is it because it wasn't a good shape for his face? Yeah, they put it on him and they were like, there's no way. There's like, there's no way this guy thought he looked good. These are aviators. It's not... He he could never pull up aviators and even he would know that. He would know that. I love that, actually. I love a, I love an investigation where it's like, there's no way. And he'd be caught dead in These it. No pun intended. You know? <laughs> Ooh. Thank you. Um, they also found that his car had been modified so that it could be, I don't totally get this, so that it could be unlocked from the fender. Do you understand that? I don't totally understand that. But everyone's excited about it, so I'm trying to, like, just say it with confidence, but I don't totally get the what fe- that would mean. Well, the fender is, like, thinking the bumper but isn't that like in the back of the car like a fender bender i think it's interesting somebody fucked with the car so they could unlock it a different way is like the wicked piece of information i glean here is where it gets double down crazy so he had pinned a two dollar bill to his undies inside his underwear like hidden hidden and written on the bill were seven spanish names and they were they start with the letters A through G. So like alphabetically. It's like a name that starts with an A, B, C, D. And they're these Spanish names. And then above them is the notation Ecclesiastes 12. Oh fuck. So the Bible verse that Green Eye said is yeah. written on the dollar bill. And it says with verses one through eight. And those were marked by arrows drawn on the bill's serial number. So imagine it says, like, Ecclesiastics 12, and then there's an arrow to the one on the dollar bill and another arrow to the eight on the serial number. So she had said one through eight. This is, like, cleverly finding a way to say one through eight. People have too much time on their hands. Then on the back of the dollar bill, the signers of the Declaration of Independence were numbered. One through seven, and there was a rough drawn map. So the map led to an area between Quinn, Tucson. If this is a national treasure. You. I can't. If this shows, if Nick Cage fucking shows up in this moment, I'm out of here. I know. I always think it should be so good if I'm like doing these, and then I'm like, and it's the movie. <laughs> like it does feel when they're this crazy. You want to be like, like, and it's and this also, movie. Like, I just don't understand when someone leaves that much evidence around. Like, what if it was him that? put the two dollar bill or it's him a hundred percent it's him hearing how he's how paranoid he is yeah and and that he knows he's gonna die he's scared he's going to die and he's constantly looking for ways to 
not tell people things because he doesn't want them to be in danger slash tell people things because if he dies, he wants people to figure shit out and to know what happened. And he's in this kind of odd limbo world where, oh, my God, I forgot about the letter. He hid the letter somewhere, too. Never God, found. this guy's so paranoid. So the map, though, let me just Rightfully finish. Rightfully so, he's dead. But. This map led to an area between Tucson and Mexico to the towns of Robles Junction and Salacity. Salacity? Both were known for smuggling. It's basically speculated that the $2 bill was a bunch of coded messages that he was maybe leaving for the FBI. Okay. Which, as somebody that, like, my job is creating clues and scavenger hunts, I'm obsessed with this case because I was like, it has to be a cipher. There's too many deliberate pointing out of letters and numbers for it not to be a cipher. Yeah. Like, he's trying to spell something out. And if they had a team of people whose job it was to look at ciphers, they would probably be able to crack this. Has no one cracked it? No. <gasps> Has anyone found the letter of his? No. <gasps> I know. It's no. like bananas crazy because I just feel like the A through G thing is – there's just no way you're like, let me list these names. And it doesn't have something to do with – Are they an anagram? No, they're not an anagram. And it's one through seven names, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But then the Ecclesiastics thing. And it's one through eight. There's also like a lot of ciphers that you can use things like you want to use the Bible or you want to use Shakespeare. You want to use something where it always looks the same to help crack it. And I feel like it could be that somehow. But people know that. The fact that it's not been cracked, it's like, you know, full disclosure, I didn't sit and try to crack it because I basically like – that's an idea that they would have had. Yeah. I'm not the first person to fucking think of it. So, you know, the other thing that you worry about, too, is if they just thought he was a crazy dude and just didn't take it. Well, that's an interesting point. To that point, what if that hallucinogenic drug painted on his throat was a real thing and really affected him? And I still believe he was murdered, no doubt about it. But it's like, was the two large dollar bill a product of like paranoia driven from but then you're like well it wouldn't have been paranoia somebody fucking kidnapped him and put a hallucinogenic drug in his throat if that's real but like who i've never heard of a hallucination painted on someone's throat that just like one don't you think hollywood would be using that as like a device also what i think is bizarre is like if a parent if a kid came up to you and was like if something happens to me i wrote a letter and i've hidden it i feel like as a parent you'd be like what the fuck are you talking about? You need to give me more information. I'm not going to wait until you're dead to find out what happens. Like, what is going on? He was really trying to protect his family, I think. Really. He was really scared. You remember our friend Green Eyes? Of course the I remember Green Eyes. So, I love the um, Coldplay song. So after he's disappeared, yeah, but before he died... Okay, so basically she calls the police, and she's like... It's me, Green Eyes. It's me. It's Green Eyes. I saw Morgan after he disappeared, but before he died, um, like during that nine-day span. She's like, he showed me a briefcase filled with fucking tons of money, and he told me there's a hitman that's been hired to kill me, and I'm going to try to pay him off. I'm going to try to give him more money to, like, not kill me he said that there was a ninety thousand dollar contract out on his life and that his deal was he was going to give five thousand dollars a day 
to be like, every day you don't kill me. Like, you can make all this money. Here's 5000 Here's 5000 The police were able to corroborate that this woman had met Morgan via, like, CCTV footage. They found out that there was some time between his disappearance and his death that he was staying at a Southside hotel where he did meet this woman several times. Still don't know this woman's identity. Still don't know more than that. But she called and gave them, like, these little tidbits that was like, this is what I know. Bye. So after his death, his attorney confirmed that Morgan had testified in a secret state investigation concerning Tucson's Banco Internacional de Arizona. Um, Are you? you, I'm fluent. Wow. It's very impressive. Banco de Internacional (laughs) de Arizona. Arizona. Very good. You're beautiful. So there was some stuff going on where he was fucking talking about who was buying up these properties and who owned things, which was private information that obviously the mob was a little bit involved in. Shortly after his body was found, his impounded car was broken into while it was in police possession. Oh, they got an inside guy. That's why he's afraid. It's not clear who's involved, but there's a lot of weird shit that happened. Like his office gets ransacked. This car gets broken into. A few weeks after he dies, Ruth gets visited by these two guys that are like FBI and they like show their badges super fast and awkward and are like, we got to search your house. And they go in and who knows, like they ransack her house and then they leave and Ruth is like shaken up by the whole thing and is sort of like, wait, I don't know if that was FBI. Oh, I got the chills. I don't like that. Yeah. Like she's like, I don't really feel good about this. So this case was getting attention because it's fucking creepy and there are these investigative journalists kind of poking around and there's this one guy that's super into it, Don Devereaux, and he's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I'm super into this case. He contacts the FBI and he's like, will you release information in the Morgan case under the Freedom of Information Act? Right. And he is totally denied and the FBI are weirdly like, We don't know who that is. I'll just read you this quote from Don Devereaux. When I made a Freedom of Information Act request to the FBI, they had never heard of Mr. Morgan, despite the fact that they obviously opened an investigation, despite the fact that the FBI interviewed Mr. Morgan's attorney. They were all over this thing like a blanket for a while, but now they never heard of the guy. He never existed. No card, no file, nothing. Fucking interesting, right? Something's going on Something is going on, and it's like the FBI is involved, or they've decided to bury it, but they're acting super fishy. And not RuPaul's Drag Race fishy. No. Fucking mafia fishy. Not fried tilapia fishy. The other kind. Morgan also kept duplicate records of all, like, the weird transactions that he was a part of, Uh which would have made him a target because don't keep those copies. He was, like, privy to all these things, and he thought maybe it would help him, like, it would protect him in the future. And I think it's the opposite. I think it was really dangerous that he had copies of those things, and I think that's probably what the either the real FBI or fake FBI agents were. That's probably what they were looking for when they tore apart his house and his car and his office, and I don't know if they found them. 
But when they tore apart all these things, who knows if they weren't the ones that found the fucking letter he told his dad about that said, like, this is what happened to me. Ugh, I don't like this story. According to rumor, undercover CIA agents, people from the Department of Defense, and exile Vietnamese governmental officials were also involved in these forms that he had. And it's speculated that Morgan was killed for the records. So he had these records, and they implicated all kinds of people. Move. Disappear. What are you doing? Oh, God. Well, he was doing his best, man. He had four kids. Like... Oh, those poor four kids. Get ready for this. This is going to fuck you up. Despite all of what I just fucking told you, his death was ruled a suicide. Even though the bullet was the The back of his head? The case was closed. August 10th, 1977. And the Pima County Sheriff's Department said, we have found no evidence that anyone took part in the death but himself. So you want to know what Don says? My friend Don Devereaux that I fucking love. Who? What? He's like, I've never seen in all my years as a journalist a fellow take himself out to the desert wearing a bulletproof vest and then shoot himself in the back of the head. You're like, yeah, Don, me neither. And you also, don't got to be an gun investigative that's reporter. fucking wiped clean. Like, a gun, like, there's no... His tooth wrapped in a fucking tissue in the car? I mean, listen, if you went crazy, there's so many things, but just like the logistics, you can't shoot yourself in the back of a head and then wipe down the fucking gun. No and chance. And I'm, like, really curious if they found gunpowder residue on his hands. Do you know what I mean? Oh, my God. I'm not even going to spoiler alert you because it's coming right up, but weirder things. Oh, my God. This case. Ah, we have to solve it. Um, so, obviously, Ruth. Yeah. Our friend Ruth that we started with, she's like, listen, there's just no way Chuck would have committed suicide. Um, and if he had, con- like, contemplated it, he'd have left a note for me and the girls. Like, no chance. And she said, I don't know if this will ever be solved. I don't think we'll ever find out who killed him. And she's not really wrong because she's like, the people that are covering this up. She doesn't want, honestly, she doesn't want to find out who it is because it would put her and her kids at risk. It seems like the person pushing to find out isn't her. It's Don. Don Devereaux. And I think the FBI turning him down for those records was like. The straw. He was like, well, fuck you now. He's like, I'm on a mission. He's like, now I need to know because something really crazy is happening. Um, so I'm just going to tell you something else that is going to fucking freak your deke. So get ready. May 14th, 1990. So basically like 13 13 years years after the case is closed. There's a guy in Phoenix. He's 35. His name's Doug Johnston. He's headed to work at his night shift at a computer graphics company. He's shot to death in his car in the parking lot outside his office. Now, He didn't have any gunpowder on either of his hands, and no gun was found on the scene, and they ruled that a suicide. Oh, Arizona. So are you like, wait, why are you telling me this? What the fuck does this guy have to do with everything? Well, Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, tell me. This same year, 1990 in February, so a couple months before this murder, which is, I'm going to call it a murder, not a suicide, because I'm not an idiot. Um... Devereaux had worked on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries that featured the Charles Morgan death, and it had just aired two months ago. Don Devereaux worked on the Unsolved Mysteries. So if you were just Joe Schmo and you were watching TV two months ago, you would have seen Don Devereaux being like, I'm going to find out what happened to this guy. It's still unsolved. It's not a suicide. That aired two months ago. Now, Don Devereaux drove 
a car very similar to this guy, Johnston, and he lived across the street from this parking lot where Johnston was killed in his car. So Don Devereaux believes that this guy Johnston has nothing to do with anything and was murdered because they thought it was him, Don Devereaux. Oh, God. And it's ruled as a suicide even though someone shot him? No gunpowder on his hands and no gun. I'm so sorry, but how did this guy kill himself with a gun and then get rid of the gun? That is some crazy magic. Arizona. You got some If you already aren't completely freaked out by that, I'll leave you with this. Fuck. A year after this happens, another investigative reporter, Danny Casalero, calls our friend Don. And he's like, listen, Don, you're on to something. And I want to share the information that I recently discovered about the Morgan case. Let's do this. I have some info particularly concerning the transactions that Morgan made. Devereaux's like, fuck yeah, awesome, send me the material you have. And Casalero's like, I will. But before he can fucking send it, guess what happens? He's killed. A cleaning lady finds his body in the bathtub of a motel in Martinsburg, West Virginia. His wrists had been slashed 12 times with a razor blade, and his suicide note says, to my loved ones, please forgive me, most especially my son, and be understanding. God will let me in. His family refused to accept that it was suicide, and they say that it is crazy that it was with a razor because he was super afraid of needles and of blood. Ugh. I hate this. That is the story. Of the bonobos. Of the bonobos. Monkeys. I'm sorry. In Bonnaroo. nature. That's the Bananos. story of Chuck Morgan, his wife Ruth, and it is the story of Don Devereaux, the investigative reporter that I am amazed is still alive to this day. And, and Don, let's like not give it up for like Don Justin and Catalano or whatever. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck. What is going on? Who are they protecting? I think this is one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. And everything I read about it, I was like, no fucking way. No fucking. What the fuck? Like, it just like it keeps being like, and if you think that's crazy, get ready for this. And I'm like, this is a movie. It's not a real life thing because it's so obvious. Like, if you're trying to cover something up, why are you being this bad about it? Like, we know we don't know who we're on to, but we're on to you. Is what I want to say. I, you want to say it, but don't, because I like, don't want there to be a target. We say our names in the podcast. And I would also like to say that this investigation ends here. <laughs> we will not be we researching will not be doing it. any more digging. We have any no more looking. digging. Nothing. And Don Devereaux, you're on your own. Don Devereaux. But if you want to talk, if you're single, I am too. And as long as you propose to me in an olive garden at Times Square with the ring and the breadstick, oh, Don we could live happily if ever you after, wanna talk, Don Devereaux. We have a clown <laughs> phone number that we can give to you. <laughs> you can call Wrinkles and talk anytime. Should but... we just should we play Wrinkles phone call again? <laughs> for every so it's like a feel-good end to every show. <laughs> that is so sad. That poor family, like those poor girls, like those his poor daughters, like, this poor graphic designer who just happened to be in the same fucking car, who, like, happened to be across the street from this guy who had a hit on him. Like, Jesus Christ, what shitty luck. It's devastating. And 12 times, like, ugh, ugh. 
and all these faux suicides. I love that the police department's like, suicide, suicide, suicide. At least with a third, at least they got better about covering up their tracks at the very fucking least. They started doing the fake note and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, but they didn't bother to research that, like, he 100% wouldn't have done razors. He would have done anything else. Like, he, like give the guy well, pills. Also, like, Don't do the razors. Is there is there any inclination that this person, like, was he depressed? Or, like, I mean. Okay, but also, like, hey, I have this really important information. I'll send it to you. Just give me a minute. You know what? I'm going to slit my wrist instead. Just send the info first. Sorry. Well, That's I a murder. Wonder, you know what, though? I wonder if, like. It was a suicide, and the people found him and was like, I'll kill your family if you don't do this. Like, if it's, like, suicide under duress, which is homicide, no doubt about it. Oh, well, yeah, samesies, samesies. Samesies, samesies. And then he was like, please don't let it be razors. I'm scared of blood. And they're like. Tough. We're mafia. It's all we packed. There's definitely a mole. There's definitely, like, someone. This goes high up. Oh, yeah. This goes high It's all over the place. Everybody's involved. That really bums me out, Quinn. I feel like Arizona was irresponsible with their laws. I don't know anything about trust, but this blind trust thing. Not great. Not a great like look, guys. It seems like it's enabling bad guys and putting people in danger. Maybe I'm simplifying things because I don't understand them, but that is my off-the-cuff, non-expert response to this situation. What I learned from this story is don't work in escrow. No. Don't. My mom said, don't be an actor. Well, you know what? At least it's less dangerous than going into escrow. You say that, but you haven't been murdered yet. Not yet. Yeah, we'll see what you say after you get murdered. If I get murdered, I should haunt this podcast. Oh, my God, would you? Of that would do wonders would. for me. It would do great. We Great publicity. Oh, be the best. <laughs> the podcast of a story, haunting a story. Just know every time a train happens, water runs, or uh, engine revs up. That'll be carry, little Carrie. It'll be a little ghost Carrie. That's how you're gonna do. You're gonna just do gonna be annoying to you. Rev? Yeah, I'm gonna do like annoying stuff Vaguely for the podcast. Annoying. Vaguely annoying. Sarah's like, "Why would you do that to me?" <laughs> so we have some sound issues every now and again. Every folks. now and again, Spoiler we have a little alert. ghost, a spooky. You guys, thanks for joining us, dear readers. Hey, if you like us, follow us, subscribe us, email us at um, trulydarklycreepy at gmail my name is Carrie Ipema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. And Sarah Axtell is our wonderful producer. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Later, losers. Later, Just kidding. Dorks. I love you. Come on, Just you guys. Kidding. I'm kidding. We're kidding. God, can't you take a kid? Take a joke. Ugh.